When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Dan and welcome to our Wednesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast today. Mary Kay Cabot, Scott Patsko, Ashley Bastock, and I recap what we heard from Deshaun Watson, who spoke for the first time since his introductory press conference back in March. So we kind of talk about what he had to say, the tone that he took, uh, and some of our takeaways from his press conference. Then we get into what we saw on the practice field earlier in the day as the Browns kicked off their three-day mandatory minicamp. Now, if you're not a Football Insider subscriber, we were texting you throughout the day from the practice field uh, after Deshaun spoke. All of that, there's also stories on Cleveland.com slash Browns that you want to have access to. All you have to do is go to Cleveland.com slash Browns, click the blue banner at the top of the page, and become a text subscriber. You can get a newsletter delivered to your inbox every day, and, of course, you can have access to those exclusive stories on Cleveland.com slash Browns. All right. Let's talk to Sean Watson, and let's talk a little Browns mandatory minicamp, all here on today's Orange Brown Talk podcast. And here we go on our Thursday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. The Browns starting minicamp today in Berea, their only day at their practice facility, at least that they're going to be practicing there. They'll be at the Hall of Fame uh, today as you listen to this. Did I say Wednesday or Thursday off the top? I don't know. We're gonna know. we're gonna say Wednesday. So if I said Thursday, I'm sorry if I threw all your mornings off. <laughs> uh, this is the Wednesday podcast. The Browns will be at the Hall of Fame today, uh, and then they will be at First Energy Stadium on Thursday. So uh, what we needed to do today, of course, is talk a little bit about practice. But first, as we tend to do on these things, Deshaun Watson, and this is significant because he spoke for the first time today since his introductory press conference. So I I wanted to go over some of what he said and also just your impressions of his second real press conference as as the Cleveland Browns starting quarterback. So let's just kind of go around the horn here. Mary Kay, what stood out to you today from Deshaun Watson? Well, he's not backing down. I mean, he's just not backing down on anything whatsoever. He still has no regrets. He still hasn't forced anybody to do anything. He still hasn't assaulted anybody. He still hasn't disrespected anybody. So even though all of these lawsuits are piling up and all of these accusations are coming out and we're seeing people interviewed on HBO and we're seeing investigative pieces in the New York Times, uh, Deshaun Watson is steadfastly maintaining his innocence and uh, and he, he still doesn't regret anything. The only thing that he regrets is that his words were triggering. He feels bad about that part of it, uh, that he knows that this whole situation is causing people a lot of angst. But in terms of whether or not uh, he is responsible uh, for anything, he doesn't feel like he is. And then my number two quick takeaway, I'll just, and I said this on our video too, is that uh, he's, he's getting mm-hmm. counseling. I asked him in the uh, introductory press conference if he would seek counseling uh, for all of this. And he said, no, because I haven't done anything wrong. And today, when I asked him what, you know, what kinds of things is he doing, uh, he said he's taking advantage of the resources the Browns have provided, including counseling. I think that's a big first step. I thought that was interesting because it was sort of an admission that like this is wearing on him. Like these last two years have worn on him. And so he's taking advantage of, of those resources. But to go back to, to your initial point, Mary Kay, 
um, maintaining his innocence and but also sort of saying he felt bad about what this has done or regrets what this has done to the team and the community. I thought today, more than in the introductory press conference, he was a little more, I don't know if prepared is the right word. He just handled the legal questions and how to maintain his innocence without, you know, coming off as arrogant or, or whatever, whatever the word we're looking for here is. He, I thought he handled that part of it much better than he did back in March. Ashley, what did you think? I agree 100%. And I think the prime example of that is, is in another part of the answer he gave to Mary Kay when she asked him about this. Um, and it was specifically Mary Kay said, like asked him if he still stands by the statement uh, that he had any regrets. And it, it was overall, I think, just that admission that no I don't have regrets for my actions but before that he went on to kind of say like he does regret uh that people feel badly and people were he used the word triggered based on what he said and that victims were triggered and and things like that but he maintained in his actions he doesn't have any regrets because he doesn't believe he did anything wrong so I think that was the biggest takeaway for me and that's kind of like the prime example of what we're talking about that legally he just seemed more prepared with some of those kinds of answers than in that initial introductory presser. Yeah, Scott, did, did you yeah. kind of come away with that same impression? Yeah, and I think, well, part of it was, you know, the introductory press conference, he's sitting at the at the <laughs> podium next to Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski, and that whole, I think we've talked about it, that mood of that press conference was just bizarre. Um, you know, there was just this cloud over that room and just over the expressions and the just the vibe of the whole thing. Today, he did seem more Andrew Barry slash Kevin Stefanski-like in how he answered a lot of things. Um, seemed very comfortable asking or answering a lot of the questions. Uh, you know, he just reminded me a lot of Kevin Stefanski and the way he was at, answering things. Um, and I second straight press conference, we've had two press conferences with Deshaun Watson and I have we asked him any football questions? Um, it's just this, you know, you, you thought that maybe at this point you could turn to that, but obviously you can't because this continues to, to kind of build. So, so there we were today with what close to 12 minutes of, of kind of finding out where he's at and where his head as where his head is and kind of asking about things he said previously because this keeps on going on. So, but you know, you're in this business long enough. You can kind of guess what people are going to say. And I think we all could have written down how he answered those questions in a big way and he said things that i think you expected him to say but you kind of have to go through this this process and maybe next time we talk to him probably not but maybe next time <laughs> we can actually you know get to some football but that's where we are yeah that that was my takeaway is that you know we had him we had the starting quarterback of the browns and there was not a football question and it didn't feel inappropriate it didn't feel like, oh, man, we really needed to ask about Amari Cooper or we really needed to ask about, yeah. um, I don't know, the offense and, you know, Alex Van Pelt and Kevin Stefanski. It just it didn't it felt like, if anything, we just didn't get enough of the other stuff like we could have gone on for maybe five or ten more minutes on that. So that was sort of my takeaway is it's still really hard to talk about football with all this going on because. I mean, Mary Kay, since the last time we talked to him, there's been more lawsuits or pending lawsuits. Some of not all of them have been filed yet. Um, there's been an HBO special. There's been a New York Times story. 
And these are all sort of three things that just kind of kept advancing this. Yeah, and I think that, uh, as we mentioned on on our video too, uh, is that it's not going to be just all about football for a while. I think we're going to have a, a couple of more press conferences, obviously, where it's going to be he was suspended. And uh, because I think that's going to happen either at the end of this month or sometime probably fairly early in July. So if we have a chance to talk to him, which we might not, um, but if we do have a chance to talk to him or hear from him, it's going to be about the suspension. And then uh, when we talk to him the next time after that, it's going to be about coming back from the suspension. So, and then what we don't know at that point is if uh, he will have settled the lawsuits. If he has settled the lawsuits by the time he comes back from suspension, then I think we, we will be closer to talking about football. If he hasn't settled the lawsuits and now there's 30 lawsuits out there, uh, then I still think we're going to be talking about things other than football for a good long time. And until Tony Busby gets what he wants, he's going to keep uh, the pedal to the metal and he's just not going to let up until, uh, until he feels uh, that he has justice. Yeah, it, I guess so. We're in mini camp, and I've got to think. Maybe we talked about this a little bit, but I, I've got to think that the Browns by this time didn't expect that this would still be. Obviously, this would still be a story, but that this would be the 15-minute quarterback press conference story. I, I think, even in a mo- in a very honest moment, they would have to admit, like, man, we, we thought we'd at least be on to football a little bit at this point, but. I mean, am I, am I wrong about that? Is that sort of what you guys expected Scott and Ashley that like by, by the middle of June, at least there would be like some space for eight minutes of football questions or, you know, get the legal stuff out of the way. And then let's talk football. sort of like we do on this podcast a lot that there would have been room for something like that. When, when we talk to the quarterback. I don't know. I, I mean, I, they're smart people and I think they're, like I said, they they prepared for the worst and I, they knew that there was a pretty big gap in between the number of women who had come forward and the number of women he was um, alleged to have uh, used as massage therapists. So there's a lot of opportunity there for more people to come forward. Uh, I have to think that they were semi expecting that, but yeah, maybe the fact that uh, things have just kind of every week, there's something, right? We mentioned that, how the time story, just the new uh, the new accusations and, and now there's going to be more and um, that hasn't let up, but I think they knew they kind of had to at least have him talk at some point here before they take a break. Um, you didn't want that hanging out there. Even if you basically said like he did today, a lot of the same things um, it made sense to have him talk about it and just kind of get that out of the way. Yeah. I don't know. I would be curious if they thought that, because for me, like I've always kind of thought, this is the story with him until they announce a decision on a suspension one way or another until the NFL does that. Um, so like, did the Browns think that would be done already? Did they think they would kind of already have that blueprint for what his season was going to look like, what the suspension was going to look like uh, when obviously that hasn't happened yet. So um, I would be curious to, to kind of know if this has all taken them by surprise a little bit, but um, I just think for me personally, when I've thought about it, it's like, how, how do you kind of talk anything else? Because you, you can't even ask those questions until you know when he's going to be playing and if he's going to be playing this year. 
Yeah, that, I mean, that's the complication. It's like you can ask him about what it's like to throw with Amari Cooper, but we might not, that might not be relevant until midway through the season or, you know, in an extreme case until 2023. Um, any other takeaways from, I, I did think, bringing up the New York Times thing, I think, piece, I did think it was interesting that he disputed that number. Um, that was one of the kind of, obviously, aside from maintaining his innocence pretty firmly, that that was something he answered and felt comfortable answering directly. I almost wonder if he walked, he walked into the building before he came back out to talk to us. I almost wonder if he maybe had a discussion with uh, an, uh, one of his attorneys or something, just speculating on that. But he seemed ready to dispute that number, Mary Kay. Yeah, he was ready to do that. Um, but you know, I don't know about that because, um, you know, Jenny Varentis is such a, a respected reporter and, uh, I, you know, I just don't know if she would throw a number out like that unless she had uh, some way to corroborate it or back it up. So uh, there, there's probably more to that number than just, you know, being able to say that that was inaccurate. So, you know, we, you know, we don't know. Uh, we don't know the whole entire truth of all of that, but. Um, but, you know, I don't know. He didn't seem to think that it was accurate, but he also didn't sound super convincing that it was inaccurate. Um, so, yeah, he might have. Um, I don't know. That, that's one that he might not have been as prepared to to answer or, you know, I, I just don't know that that was a great answer. Like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think the other part of it is like, what's the counter to that? Like, oh, no, it was only 52 or yeah. I mean, it's sort of like, yeah, okay, but um, I mean, he's he's admitted that it was that the forty number that was thrown around earlier was was accurate. So um, yeah, I, I guess the counter argument to that would have been like, eh, it wasn't sixty six; it was actually fifty eight. Okay, but that's that's still a lot, Deshaun. Um, anything, Scott? You were going to say something? I, I think it just thinking about the logistics of that, like it's going to be easier for a massage therapist to look back and find out that yes, he did have a appointment with me than it is for him to scroll through his phone or Instagram or whatever. And, and, you know, count those up, I would think. So yeah, it wasn't a great answer, but uh, I think, I don't know, just it's probably as good as we were going to get. It's, it sounded like they, Sorry, Asha. It sounded like they counted up like part of Jenny Vrentis reporting was going through the depositions and the court documents that she had and counting up. But then I think she was also like she's talked to people on her own. It almost sounded like Deshaun was saying they did their own independent counting in the in the legal documents they have and maybe didn't come up with that number. But again, even if their number is lower, it's an awfully high number. Go ahead, Asha. The one other thing that kind of stood out to me, and I think it was in his answer about regrets versus not having regrets and the things he does have, you know, is sorry for or has regrets for. Um, he did mention the, and did talk about this in other questions too, like the impact this is having on his teammates as a whole. And, you know, it's something that we see and Dan, you and I, we're like two of the only people left talking to JOK today because Deshaun came out in the middle of it and you asked him about it and what it's like kind of been handling this storm that is kind of encircling them all, whether uh, they like it or not in Berea after this move. And I do just think like it's, it's something that we're ever cognizant of is the fact that this 
is going to have, you know, potentially some impact on people who have nothing to do with these allegations and the, his teammates. Um, and it will be interesting, like I've kind of said repeatedly for the last few weeks, to see if there is ever a point that we see that kind of trickle over into people's play, like on the field, because it could potentially have that impact because it is a lot, I think, for, for any team to have to deal with allegations of this magnitude. And yeah, and there's the mental strain of like, you know, making sure you're, you don't say the wrong thing when you get asked about it. Like everyone has said the right thing to us at this point, but there's that, that strain of like, I can't misspeak even just a little, or it's going to be a giant headline. Um, every, everybody sort of has to deal with that. Um, so, and I, I think today was a great example of just seeing it in, in action. Like when Deshaun is there and this is the story, like it just sucks up all the air and <laughs> everybody like, walking away from JOK. And yeah. His podium. I mean, I, I, I felt bad for him, but that's like, that's what people had to do. And Ashley and I were lucky enough that we didn't necessarily have to run over there, but not everyone's able to do that. So, um, and, and look, we only asked him like one or two more questions. So, cause we wanted to get over there and, and hear from Deshaun. So <laughs> it's a, it's a tough spot. Okay. Anything else that we need to mention off Deshaun? Go ahead, Mary Kay. Yeah, there were a couple things real quick. Um, one of the things that stood out to me a little bit was the fact that he did talk so much about wanting to finish his career here and mm -hmm. wanting to be part of this community and having this be his home and being embraced by fans. You know, I think he's trying to say, you know, Please, you know, stick with me. Thank you for the people that are trying to support me in this. And I'm going to prove something to you. This is where I'm going to be. So that's the first thing that I had. Can I can I jump in on that? I, yeah, I think that's uh, that's one of the frustrations of this, right? Like Deshaun Watson is on the field, a great quarterback, and he's a guy that they should have drafted back in 2017. And, and they'd have been set, obviously you know off the field things have happened since then but like it, it this should be a celebration right this should be like the browns finally have their quarterback for the next 10 years this guy's going to finish his career in cleveland he's got a chance to go into the hall of fame one day he's could get a statue outside the stadium and that's like that's just not what this is right now that, that's not what it feels like and it shouldn't feel like that but i i think that's one of the that, that's probably one of the frustrations in all of this that like this should be a celebration, but because of all this, it, it's not. And look, it's it's partially his his own doing. Go ahead, Mary Kane. Uh, so that was one thing, and then another thing is, and we touched on this a little bit, but I do think that it was this was uh, a very strong acknowledgement uh, that there are a lot of people triggered and hurt by the situation. And when we heard from him on March twenty fifth. Uh, there was almost, I don't know if arrogance is the right word, but there was a little bit too much of um, what you guys helped me think of the right word for that. There was uh, it's, what Scott help me. It's like a defensive vibe. Not that he was yelling at people, but it was very much, yeah. we were questioning him and uh, kind of not wanting to, people weren't talking, I guess, as freely as they normally do just in the words coming out of their mouths at a, you know, constant pace, <laughs> especially there, with Barry and Stefanski. But I thought so with, with Watson as well. Is, is lack of empathy too strong? I think no, there was, I, think, I thought there was empathy yeah. today and I didn't think there was much right. empathy in that. I mean, yeah. Andrew, there was, Kevin didn't talk much, but Deshaun was very 
adamant. Like that was the first time he'd really spoken about it. So he was just very at, he was focused on being adamant that he did not do anything wrong. Um, and in doing that, there, there was just sort of a lack of empathy that I thought was there today. Yeah. And I think the thing that's important about that is when we have heard from some of the accusers and what we're hearing coming out of the whole Tony Busby camp is uh, these women are mad. These women are mad that you are sitting up there and saying you've done nothing wrong. You have no remorse. You have no regrets whatsoever. And there was in that first uh, presser just almost a little bit of lack of of empathy or understanding for for anybody who has gone through something like this or who has been triggered by this. Uh, so this time I thought he showed, uh, you know, some compassion. And I think he was a little bit more uh, less defiant and a little bit more real about um, how this could be playing out in the minds and hearts of a lot of people out there. And I, I think that's also an important step. And even just in the answer about that he is, you know, he has said he, that he has taken advantage of the resources like counseling that are offered. And Mary Kay, I know when you asked him about that in March, he was very insistent that he did was not planning on doing that because he didn't think he needed that. So that is like a total, I guess, answer switch in that regard. Like it's way less defensive and more, you know, I'm, I'm working on myself, the type of stuff that I think maybe people expected to hear from him mm -hmm. the first time around that they just didn't get. Right. Hmm. Okay. I think that's our, uh, our Deshaun Watson segment of the podcast. We are going to talk a little bit of football in the second half because the Browns did hold a practice today as well. We'll do that after the break. And we are back on the Orange Brown Talk podcast. So the Browns held what essentially was probably their most productive practice of minicamp. Um, the stadium practice is about an hour and 15 minutes on Thursday. So I'm sure we'll see some things there. You know, that's, that's kind of a, a function practice in a lot of ways. They're going to work on the communication. It might look more like a game. We'll see um, tomorrow or today when you're listening to this, they will be at the hall of fame. Their practice will be a half hour long. Uh, they're going to ride the bus to the hall of fame and Kevin Stefanski, very excited. He's like the typical dad. He's excited about the car trip. <laughs> He's ready to sing some songs and stop at some rest stops and eat some jerky. And he's, he's ready. Kevin Stefanski, officially a suburban dad. All right. Um, practice today. Uh, what takeaways do we have? I've got one. I think I'm the only person in the world who cares about it. So I'll hang on to mine. Uh, we won't make it the lead here of the practice pod. Who's got a good uh, a practice takeaway today? What stood out to you with what you watched? Uh, well, I was trying to keep track of who's playing where, because I want to write about where the roster's at uh, following mini camp. And um, Emerson was the third. Well, he was the outside corner with the first team. Greedy Williams was not practicing today. Um, so it was it was Ward and Newsom out there together. Then when they went to uh, three corners, it was Emerson out there uh, with them. I thought that was somewhat notable. A.J. Green was not out there either. So I don't know if that would have been the case if if AJ Green was out there. Um, it's hard to tell, but I think the the fact that he was that guy, um, I didn't notice any any big issues. Um, he seems to be probably where he needs to be at this point to be a a contributor once the season begins. But that's something that kind of stood out to me today. Yeah, no greedy Williams. So we saw a little bit of a different alignment. Martin Emerson, I'm still just really intrigued by how they're going to use him. Like it wouldn't surprise me if they used him a little bit inside 
in, in some of their dime packages, if he could sort of be a pseudo safety in some ways, like uh, that, that cornerback, even though we know who the starters are going to be for the most part, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of flexibility there, Mary Kay, with what they could do. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and I really like watching Martin Emerson just because he's such an intriguing, uh, physical, athlete. I mean, just to, just to look at him and see the size and see the the length. And, and I'm just not usually used to seeing that that much in a cornerback. So just the lankiness and uh, the athleticism that he brings to the table. It's very interesting. And I wonder what is going on with Greedy, uh, because, you know, you always have to worry a little bit about his shoulder and how that's holding up for him. And he battles through that. So maybe he's just taking it slowly and taking his time. But it is then giving uh, Martin some definitely good reps in there. Uh, and it just, I mean, I, I just think it's just going to be one heck of a secondary it just looks really, really good. You know, they, they made some plays today. Um, and again, you know, we're not watching pads and tackling and all that kind of stuff, but just looks like those guys are shaping up to be really, really good. And then, um, they're making, they're going to make Perry on Winfrey earn it. Right. I mean, it looks to me like, they're going to make him earn his keep because they had uh, Taven Bryan and um, Jordan Elliott in there with the starting defensive line. So uh, that was something that stood out to me. Yeah. That's, I mean, Ashley, that's one of the battles that I think we'll all kind of be watching is, I mean, that's a, still a fairly wide open position. Um, Brian and Elliott kind of the incumbent. Well, Elliott's an incumbent there. Brian has started before. Uh, and, and listen, Perry on Winfrey, as much as we love the press conference, as, as much potential as he has, he is still a fourth round pick. It might take a, a little bit of time. It might, you know, it's kind of understandable why they're not going to necessarily anoint him as a starter at that position right away. And I know Mary Kay, when you talked to Chris Kiffin last week, they seem really high on, on Jordan Elliott right now and some of the size and the speed he's added uh, so far this off season. So um, yeah, I still think I would consider it just, probably wide open, right? Like given everything that happened at that position last year, like that room was, you know, in terms of PFF grades, the worst room on the defense and in terms of those numbers. So uh, I definitely think there's still room for plenty of competition, even though we've seen those guys at OTAs and, and today getting the lion's share of those first reps. So it's still really early in that regard. And for the record, it was Winfrey and uh, Tommy Togiai out there second and then Winfrey would stay on Sheldon Day would come on and and get some reps next to him so uh, Winfrey's getting plenty of reps just not uh, with the first team yet okay I'm gonna put mine out there and again I think I'm I think I'm the only person in the world who cares about this but and Ashley you're gonna figure out where this is going real quickly we're standing there watching today and by the way, I think this is important as we as we look at the roster construction how this you know who who goes where we're standing out there today and I couldn't help but notice there was a, the running backs were standing right in front of us while the rest of the team was standing behind the play. And the people standing in front of us, Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb, Dearness Johnson, John Kelly, you know who wasn't standing in front of us with the running backs? Demetric. Demetric Felton. <laughs> you know who else wasn't standing in front of us? Scott, I'll throw you a bone here too. Johnny Stanton. Johnny football. <laughs> Demetric was standing with the wide receivers and Johnny was standing with the tight ends. Now, 
again, I might be the only person who cares about this. <laughs> but I do think there is something important here. I should mention Jerome Ford was the running backs too. Um, there is something important here. And that's the idea that maybe as we look at this roster construction and we talk about, are they going to keep Dearness Johnson or Demetric Felton or Jerome Ford or De- like, I think we need to actually talk about Demetric Felton as a wide receiver. I think that's how he makes the team. If he makes the team, I think it would be as a wide receiver. I don't know if he's really in the running back equation when we start talking about those numbers. That's how I see it. Well, I don't know that he necessarily has to be identified as anything. I don't know if he has to say, I am a running back. I am a wide receiver. I am a specialist. I I just think that uh, they'll try to get him onto the football team because he's a recent draft pick. And if they can keep him, I think they would like to do that. I think they like to find those diamonds in the rough in those, you know, late rounds like that. So I don't think they, they want to give up on him. Um, But you're right. It's kind of, it's getting a little crowded at those positions. It's especially crowded at running back. So his, his best chance is probably going to be to, you know, to work with the uh, receivers. Then having said that, we will show up at practice tomorrow right. and, and he'll be with the <laughs> running backs. Right. I mean, you well, know, it'll, gonna... it'll give us something to talk about, but he's just kind of an, like an all purpose, Jack of all trades, you know, just sort of a, a, a multi-purpose back type of guy. And, um, and, and I think those guys can be valuable if they're good enough. So, um, so if he just, if he keeps coming up the learning curve and shows that he can help them win games, I still think he can make the team, whatever you call him. Yeah, I think we were all duped during the draft by, <laughs> I forget who said it, how he was going to be focused on running back. I certainly was, but I think he's your, your fifth wide receiver. I think he's the fifth guy in the door there. Today, he was rotating with David Bell, first team as a slot guy. So, I mean, he's, you know, he's a running back by number, but he's clearly uh, a guy that they're going to get on the field a lot as a receiver, even if he does start out in the backfield, he's more likely than not going to rotate out in motion and, uh, and end up wide once that ball snapped. Plus you, you have a guy who's a good backup at a lot of positions. You know, he's still taking reps as a, as a kick returner. Um, obviously there's the running back situation, which I, I mean, Chubb Hunt, Dernis Johnson, Jerome Ford, those are probably your four running backs when camp breaks. Um, it just it just makes sense that he's a wide receiver. There's more opportunity there. Um, I'm starting to think more and more that Michael Woods is the first guy drafted by Andrew Barry who's waived at the end of camp and then brought back on the practice squad. It just seems more and more like that. There's probably six receivers. Felton and Jakeem Grant are probably at the bottom of the bottom of the list there. Yeah, because because obviously Jakeem Grant has to get on there somehow, so he he's got to be in that group. Um, but and and look, I, I mean, if if we're just talking about Felton as a running back, Dearness Johnson is a better running back than Demetric Felton. I'm not just saying that because I wrote a story about Dearness Johnson this week. He's but he's a better running back. He's not a better all around player, maybe, but he's a better running back. And so so it's just going to be interesting. I think. I think you're right, Mary Kay, that it's going to be really hard for this team to cut a draft pick. But the more picks they make, the more maybe the more realistic it becomes. I don't know. I'm I'm really curious to see how this roster looks 
Um, and kind of who stand like it there. I think there's real competition now. Like you've, you're going to have to earn it at, at this point. Well, the other thing to consider real quick about those guys, even though there is a surplus at running back, remember that um, Kareem Hunt and Dearness Johnson are both going into the final year of their contract. So even though there seems like a little bit of a, a, a log jam right now, after this year, that room could potentially open up a little bit. And there could be a place for Demetric. So I don't know. I guess I'm still going to be surprised if, uh, you know, if he didn't stick around. Okay. Anything else, Ashley, did you have anything from practice today that stood out? Um, yeah. The, the one play, like when we're talking about highlight real plays, we did see Grant Delpit come up with an interception against Deshaun Watson today. And I know we've talked about Delpit a lot this off season about, he just seems like poised overall to, to kind of step into that starting safety role opposite of JJ three there. And, you know, Kevin Stefanski got asked about him today because again, it was one of the highlights of practice. And he mentioned how smooth he is in and out of those transitions. And you did kind of see that on, on that play. So I I just think it's a reminder kind of, of how his role is, is going to be changing this year, I think, and, and getting larger. Yeah. Brown safeties look good. And from OTH through minicamp here so far, mm-hmm. definitely. Yeah, between him and JJ3, what we've seen, those are those guys have all the interceptions <laughs> against Deshaun Watson that we've seen in those uh, seven-on-seven drills and everything. This defense is loud, by the way. If you guys know, like, this defense is loud. They talk. Like, we're not we're not allowed to report on, on what they say when they're on the practice field, but just they are loud and they talk mm-hmm. and they, they get after these offensive players. They definitely... Mm-hmm. You can Get feel that energy. Guys. I mean, I think there's a handful of guys too that that lead in that way that are those kind of vocal leaders. Like Anthony Walker is one that comes to mind. JJ3, you hear him when he's out there. Like, And for a team, I think that, again, we've talked about has struggled with the maybe cohesiveness, especially on that defense last year when so many of those guys were, were new to Cleveland. Um, I think that's going to be a big change that people notice this year. JOK too. He's very vocal. He's a very, yes. very vocal he, he was player. one of the guys I was thinking of. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, and think about this, we're talking about how they're loud and boisterous and we haven't even heard Perry on Winfrey yet because <laughs> ever since his draft day press conference, I think that either he decided on his own or someone had a conversation with him and said, maybe you want to tone it down a little bit until you just get out on the football field and start making some plays, because it seems like he's made a concerted effort to tone it down verbally since then. And even uh, Miles Garrett noted that in his press conference. So we're talking about the energy and we're talking about the, uh, you know, just the fiery nature of that defense. And we don't even have Perry on in there yet. There's some great personalities on that defense too. I uh, Browns fans are going to love this defense. I'm, they played great towards the end of the year last year. And I think this year they're people are going to really get to know like John Johnson and JOK and uh, you know, Greg Newsom is a great like personality. I, I think there's a lot of really good personalities, you know, Perry as we mentioned, if he starts barking at us again, um, <laughs> there's, there's some great, like this defense is the type of defense that I think Browns fans who love, love physical, you know, run the ball, play hard defense they're gonna they're gonna fall in love with that side of the ball for sure 
All right. I think that's everything. So the Browns are off to the Hall of Fame on Wednesday. They will wrap up minicamp on Thursday. Um, we, of course, will cover it all here on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast and at cleveland.com slash Browns, which is where you can sign up to be a football insider subscriber. Uh, just click the blue banner at the top of the page, get info and get signed up and make sure you're subscribed wherever you're listening to your podcasts. Uh, for Scott, Ashley, and Mary Kay, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs>